Ladies and gents, my name is Andy. I am the lead pastor here, and we're going to jump straight into things today. Um, this text will not be on the screen behind you. I'm just going to paraphrase it for just a second, but we're in a series called Serpent Crusher, and it's all about Jesus. Every sermon should be about Jesus, but in this particular case, we're, we're working our way through some of the Old Testament and how Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament. That the scriptures aren't just this fragmented collection of stories or this antiquated old dusty book that has no relevance for your life, but it actually has pertinence for you now and today. And that the Old Testament, even though it has the word old with it, like you read it, and if, if you're not careful, you might just think it's, it's some, like I said, a collection of stories that, that just doesn't have much bearing upon your life that couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus is literally crushing the head of the serpent that brought the downfall of mankind all the way in Genesis chapter 3. And we see Jesus crushing the effects of sin and death and darkness all throughout the Old Testament. And ultimately, his victory that we experience on the cross when he rose from the grave three days later. But there's a story that Jesus preaches. It's the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Most of you, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even if this is your first time to church, some of you, this might be new for you. You might be coming because you're visiting, you know, you're here to cheer on a friend with baby dedications or baptisms. So this, this may be strange to you, but for most people, even if church is new and faith is new, most people have heard a little bit of the details of the prodigal son. It's weaved now into kind of pop culture and literally just the fabric of society. But understand, my, my paraphrase, you've got a young man who goes to his father and Jesus shares this parable. The young man goes to his dad and he says, hey, I'd like my inheritance now. I want my share of the estate, pops. And ultimately what he's saying to his dad, that the height of offense is, I kind of wish you were dead. And the dad goes ahead and he gives his son his share of the inheritance early. And the son packs his bag, gets some supplies, and he leaves the, the country, the land where, where his home is, and he goes to some sort of distant land where he squanders his wealth, the scriptures say, in wild living. He lives like a wild man, crazy person, doing all kinds of uh, of. of Things we don't, even, we don't talk about in church, okay? We don't talk about that kind of stuff. It's improper. Well, he runs out of money. He's, he hits what you would call rock bottom. And he's so desperate to, to feed himself, and he's so desperate for food that, that, that he's literally feeding pigs for a little bit of money. And he's looking longingly at the food he's giving the pigs, thinking to himself, man, that looks good. You know you're in a bad spot when you're looking at pig food and you're thinking to yourself, that looks good. My stomach is rumbling watching that. And he says to himself, you know what? I should return to my father's house. 
I should look my dad in the eyes and tell him that I'm sorry. Even then, in that moment, maybe, just maybe, I could become a slave in my dad's house. Surely that would be better than what I got going on right now. So he comes to his senses and he returns to his father's house and he's astonished because his father runs to him. In other words, his dad has been, has been watching. His father has been waiting. And in a very undistinguished manner, the father runs from the house to his son, right? It shows the, the, the nature of the father's heart. He runs to him. He embraces him. And he calls for the servants to bring, right, the finest robe to put back on his son, puts a robe on his shoulders, puts the family uh, ring on his finger, welcomes him back in. And then he tells the servants, hey, go slaughter that calf, that pig, whatever it is. We're going to throw a party because my son who was lost is now found. And one of the things that we say at High Point Church is that you are never too lost to be found. Let's say that together. We are never too lost to be found. Now say it like this. Say it with an I. I am never too lost to be found. Don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget it. Now here's something that you may not have done before. I want you to imagine in your mind. Five years have passed for the prodigal son. Five, six years. The young man is, is now back in his father's home. He's doing what the young man does. He's, he's working in his father's house. He's a son, but he's got jobs to do. And, and so, you know, life has just kind of returned to a measure of normalcy. There's decisions that have to be made. And, you know, maybe there's some, maybe there's some collaborative decision-making between sons and, and the older son and dad. And, you know, they're having to make decisions about crops and decisions about animals and decisions about servants. And they're managing the house. And it's, but, it, but, 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 it's, but it's normal life, right? It's normal life. The relationship with the older brother, maybe it's not perfect, but, but they learned to live with each other. Things are just kind of ho-hum. And imagine what just might occur in the mind of the young son who has taken his father's inheritance, already squandered at one time, but came back and was welcomed back into his home with arms wide open from pops. And now here we are. Life is just kind of, dare I say, normal. Is it possible that the young man is looking back upon his wild living days and thinking to himself, I could probably, I might, I might be able to get pops. He might give me another little stash of cash. I could probably go away 
And life could probably be pretty exciting again, right? For like a couple weeks, a month, maybe even half a year. Who knows? And knowing, like I know my father's heart now. I think there's a decent chance I could ask him for this blessing. I could walk away and then I could return. And knowing the heart of my father, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty sure he would welcome me back into the house again. Man, this would, I, this is a pretty decent idea. Life is just so normal. It's so bland. It's so boring. <sighs> And when I imagine life, forgetting, of course, eating the pig slop, but when I imagine that life of wild living, it feels so exciting. This is the stage for Romans chapter 6, which sets the stage for baptism, which is what we celebrate today. Romans chapter 6 says this. This is the writing of the Apostle Paul. He says, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, should we leave our father's house again so that the grace of God might increase or abound in your life by no means exclamation point. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a brand new life. And everybody said, you get to live a brand new life. But understand this. Even though this message isn't about the normalcy of the Christian life. Maybe that should be a sermon series. This brand new life is going to feel normal at some point. And there is a tendency at times to look back at the old life with fondness and be like, man, remember that? Remember those days? Boy, oh boy. And we just, we, we, we color it with a rose, with a rose-colored lens, don't we? Meanwhile, forgetting that you're eating pig slop. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. The Jews and Gentiles, they'd heard the gospel of Jesus as a church that's been established. Paul has never even met them yet. But he writes to them. Because they'd responded. A church was there. People had experienced salvation. Yet there's no problem happening in the church in Rome. Nearly all of his letters, he's writing to address a specific issue. He is not writing to address a specific issue in the church in Rome. He is writing to address what he knows might happen. And that's the heart wanders and the eyes wander and the longing for the heart. And so Paul is getting in front of the bus that he knows is coming for this young church. It's peaceful. The church is experiencing a time of peace. 
There's not any persecution. Things are going pretty well. In fact, so well that it's just kind of normal. I think I could probably step out of town. Maybe just for a little while. Live a little bit of a crazy life again. And then come on back. And Paul is saying, don't do that. That is so knuckleheaded. Don't you remember you were baptized? In other words, God has done something miraculous and extraordinary in your life. Don't you forget it. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. During COVID, I may have had, I don't like to admit this, I may have had a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with Brewster's, okay? <laughs> Brewster's is an ice cream place here in town. And when, you know, you're kind of stuck at home a lot like we were and everything was on the screen, well, you know what you can do a lot is you can eat, right? And you can eat ice cream a lot. And when Brewster's is like two minutes from your house, it can become a problem. <laughs> and it did. And so my, my blizzard of choice, my ice cream of choice was the, you know, the little blizzard and I would have them put in the crunch bar pieces. Now, Amy likes the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup ground up and I, I respect that, right? It's a worthy decision, right? Sometimes I, if I want to mix it up, I'll go Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. But for most of COVID, which was only like two years for me, um, <laughs> I would have them put, you know, put crunch bars in that thing. And you know what would become a problem for me when, you get you, when, you, when you're used to having it a certain way, right? You get, you get used to it. You get some guy back there, some young, some young buck who doesn't know how to properly mix the ice cream. And you get the crunch bar and you know what they do? Anybody want to guess what they do? They just put it on the top. Are you kidding me? Is this the gospel? I don't think so. Take that back to the third pit of hell, right? I want my ice cream and I want that crunch bar mixed all the way through it. Come on, when I'm three quarters of the way down in that ice cream, I should still be getting that topping. Oh, it's beautiful. You know I'm right. So I would march my ice cream back up to the window and I would say, you, you did not mix this right. <laughs> oh, oh, I was not leaving until the crunch bar was all the way through. I say this to you because for many people, this might be you. Christianity, following Jesus and living for him, in many ways, it's, it's an experience that we get that can, can oftentimes, without even knowing it, you've just got a nice little dusting on top. You've got a nice little sprinkling on the top. Oh, and it tastes good. It tastes fantastic. But instead of that thing getting worked all the way through, you just have a little top layer. And so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get all the way into the heart and the soul of what Jesus intended for you and intended for me. It's just a, it's just a nice, you know, a little dusting on the top. But when Jesus, or when Paul rather, he says, hey, stop, don't, don't live this way. Don't you remember he says, you are baptized in 
to Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus has gotten not just a little bit on the top. He's gotten all the way in you. You are all the way in there. Like it's all the way in you here. How do you describe this? I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery, but it, it's not this little soft layer, you know, where you get a little bit on the top and then it's back to normal after a few bites. No, this has been baked into your very DNA. You've been changed. And the thing that reminds us of this is baptism. You're baptized into Jesus. And so he writes, don't you know that all of us who are baptized were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Baptism is a death and it is a burial. Oh, the good news is coming. Don't worry. But before we get to the good news, here's the bad news that's actually still good news. And that's that baptism, it reminds us that there is a death at hand. There is a burial at hand. Jesus went before us and he died for our sins. And then, and then he was buried in the tomb and like him because we are buried with him. We now experience this death. The old man dies. The old way of living dies. The sinful life comes to an end. There is a death and then there is a burial. When something dies... We recognize that's, that, that something needs to happen to it. And not to get morbid, but when something is dead, it, it will begin to smell, it will begin to rot, it will begin to decay. And so what do you do? You bury it. I mean, you know what it's like. You're driving down the interstate, bam, and you get hit by that thing, right? It's, it's not even close to you, right? But you still smell it, right? Because, because the, 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 the rot of that which is dead, it's not good. It's like eating the slop of pigs. There's nothing about the old life that we want to maintain or keep. It's the very thing that needs to die. And when you are baptized, you are reminded that baptism is a death. And it is a burial, but it's a death of that which we need to die. It's the, the life of sin, that which God never intended for you. Now, Amy and I, we have people in our home a lot. The youth comes over to our house nearly every Sunday night, right? We love it. Most of the time we love it. But you know what you've got to do every time that somebody comes to your house, right, from the church or like a group of people, you've got to make sure the house like looks nice. You've got to pick up. So even right now, we know coming to our house, we, we've got an alarm set where it's once 4 p.m. hits, it's cleanup time. You know, and it's just, it's, 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 it's game on. But the only place where people are hanging out is downstairs, which means we have the luxury if we want to. I'm not saying that we always do this, but sometimes you might just stack up some of the mess, right? And what do you do with it? You walk it on upstairs, right? And you put it someplace else. And then when everybody leaves, you, you go and you pick that mess right back up and you, you know, bring it back down and you put it back on the kitchen table where it clearly belongs, right? 
But baptism reminds us that it's not a rearranging of sin in our life. When we talk about baptism being a death and a burial, it's not you just kind of managing sin. It's not just you managing your behavior. It's not just hiding it or sticking it under the bed or taking it upstairs. No, 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 no. Your old life comes to an end. It dies. It stinks. And therefore, it, there, it needs to be buried. And we are not in the business of exhuming that which has died and been buried, even though sometimes we try. We were buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. And in the same way, Romans 6, 11, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's in a new paint job. This isn't your rusty van that's just getting a fresh coat of paint. This is a new set of wheels. Right? This is a new, this is a new life ladies and gentlemen. And those who are getting baptized, we have three people getting baptized. I, I'm not saying that in this very moment they're putting their faith in Jesus for the very first time, but there is something that is special and definitive when you choose to be baptized because you now have a moment that you are standing on, that you are looking at, and you can say, no, in this moment, in the same way that Paul is reminding the church, hey, remember when you were baptized? This is what this represents God having done in your life. That's what this baptism represents as well. Jesus has done this. Look at how amazing he is. Look what he's accomplished. Look how he's saved people. Look how he's changed people. Look at the old life that no longer exists. Look at the new life that's come. Praise be to God for the amazingness of His Son, Jesus. It's new life. I'm going to close with this. And then it'll be time for those who are ready to get baptized. It'll be time for you to go get changed. Because we're going to meet you outside here in just a minute. And we're going to celebrate with you. And some of them, they may, they may share just a little bit of their journey about what God has done. But understand this, death, or excuse me, baptism is a death, it's a burial. Baptism is also a resurrection. I don't know that I said that as clearly as I wanted to. It's, it's new life. It's resurrection. But the other thing that baptism is, is that it is a sign of life. Yeah. When we look in the Old Testament, we see Moses leading the, the, the Israelite people through the Red Sea. The waters open. And the, the Bible describes it as a kind of baptism, a foreshadowing of the baptism to come. And what is, what is cut off from, from Israel in that moment? Slavery. They were slaves to, to Pharaoh and slaves to Egypt, and they experienced a baptism and and then the leader Joshua does the same thing as they're walking through the river Jordan and God says, I want you to get some memorial stones and set them up because every single time your kids walk past here, we want them to be able to see and ask and, and understand when they see these stack of stones, 
that they would understand that they serve a God who's amazing, who has delivered them, who has set them free. Not only did this God show up in their, in their past and cut off the enemy from behind, this will also serve as a sign moving forward of God's faithfulness. And so when people are baptized, guess what? It is a declaration of what Jesus has done. He has set us free from the bondage and slavery and the wickedness of sin. But you know what else it is? It's a sign reminding us that he isn't finished, that he is still working. He is still on the move. In the same way that you're driving down the interstate and you see a sign that says XYZ 35 miles ahead. In Atlanta time, that's about nine hours of driving time, right? But you see a sign, and the sign tells you what's coming. In the same way that, that, that these men and women are choosing to be baptized today, we celebrate what God has done, but we also now look at their lives as a sign of God's faithfulness of what he's continuing to do. Amen? That encourages me. If he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Yeah. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Yeah. If he can do it for you, he can do it for us. What can God not do? And so I'm reminded of his faithfulness. If you are getting baptized today, Here's what I want to invite you to do right now. I want to invite you to stand up. You can make your way to the front of the school where you can get changed in the restrooms and be prepared. Um, I believe we've got t-shirts for you that are making their way out to the front as well for you. And so if you need or are choosing to be baptized, I don't know if we have extra shirts today. We do have extra shirts. So if anybody is sitting here and needs to put their faith in Jesus, let me tell you something. The water is feeling good. It's nice and warm. You think I'm kidding. I'm actually not. But God is good. He's moving. He's moving in this church. So stand to your feet. Father, in this moment, we thank you. Lord, for those who, the babies that were dedicated, we thank you for the men and women choosing to be baptized in this moment. And Lord, we even now, before we meet them outside, Lord, we declare that you are good and faithful. Lord, and we just love what you are doing in the hearts of these people. Lord, regardless of our situations and regardless of our circumstances, all of our lives look so different. Some filled with heartache, some pain, some difficulty, some challenge. Lord, challenges at home. Lord, I thank you that as dark as it might have felt and it might have seen, there is always hope. And God, I thank you that even though it may feel like a lost cause or a lost situation or a lost life, Lord, I thank you that we can always be found by you. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you those that are getting baptized and those sitting here right now. Lord, I know there are some that are sitting on the edge of their seat wondering if they should. I pray that you would lead them in this moment even now. Lord, we love and worship you. Amen.